Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodman and Pastor Brett Bowe continued their discussion on Article 11 of the Augsburg Confession on Confession and Absolution. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. Welcome back, Jason. Good to be back. Yes. Good yeah. to be talking about confession and absolution Yes. again today. Excellent topic. Right, and, and you left us with a, a cliffhanger last yeah, week. We, I, uh, I feel like the guy hanging on, you know... The literal hanging off of a cliff? Yeah, right, with yeah. like two fingers just barely gra- grasping so onto like, the cliff. like how... 40% of all MacGyver episodes yeah. ended. Like, he was so hanging like, on a lot of cliffs. Right, this is the MacGyver episode. <laughs> nice. Uh, um, so, yeah. yeah, the big question before us that we left with is how can an individual mm-hmm. forgive sins? What's the whole purpose behind going to someone else and asking for forgiveness? Doesn't right. Isn't it just good enough that God can forgive? Mm-hmm. And who are you, Pastor? Yeah, exactly. You, you measly twins-wearing hoodie guy? Well, that's there. actually a positive. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it, it's a really good question because what it reveals at the heart of it is that you're left with a gap in American Christianity when you start moving away from a sacramental theology, mm. right? And 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 what we mean by sacramental theology is not necessarily that confession and absolution is a sacrament. We're going to round back to mm-hmm. that at some point in time, yep. but that there is a tangible nature both to our faith and for our need for comfort. Mm. And when you take out the means of grace yep. from your conception of Christianity, right. you end up with an entirely subjective faith mm-hmm. that is defined by personality, or not defined by experience, mm-hmm. personal experience, and you're left inventing things to fill mm-hmm. that void. Right, and, and that's probably where some of the it, the stuff that the evangelical or the American church has come up with seems like a means of grace. Yeah. Like uh, I remember getting like a little nail and uh, you had to think about all your sins on that nail and then you nailed it to a cross. Or or you have the cross necklace with the uh, two nails. Yes. Yeah. Wrapped in barbed wire. (laughs) We're products of uh, 90s Christianity. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. But that's exactly what it is. is, uh, And we talked about this a few episodes ago. It's filling the vacuum of of not having a means of grace or sacramental. When uh, you get rid of the God-ordained means by which he delivers to you your salvation. Again, Mm -hmm. that's the whole concept with the means of grace. It's not how your salvation is accomplished. It's how it's delivered. Delivered. Uh, when you get rid of that, you replace it. You know. So with the actual sacraments, we've talked about how it's the altar call mm-hmm. or the sinner's prayer or, or mm-hmm. whatever the case might be. So it is with the forgiveness of sins. So let's walk through this before we mm-hmm. unpack the actual biblical theology yeah. behind it. So Yeah, can you just give us like... If you were a fly on the wall observing... Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> You, um, you yeah. lost some weight, Flay. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so much lighter. Uh, yes. Um, what, what does it look like? What, what, are you, yeah. what are you hearing when a well, private confession absolution is taking place? Yeah, so let's start with the objection, and then we'll go with what the counter to that is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is it true that if you confess your sins before God in your head that you're forgiven? Absolutely. Yes. Right? 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just mm-hmm. to forgive us our sins yep. and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 John 1.9. Yep. That is an objective promise in Scripture. It is an objective reality for the believer. It is true. But is it concrete in your mind? So uh, have you ever worried, have you ever wondered in praying that prayer, that you did so flippantly hmm. or that you didn't do it sincerely enough mm-hmm. or that you did it to avoid being punished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in my teenage years, in those glorious years of <laughs> 90s contemporary Christianity, yeah. um, a, a lot of how I thought of confession and forgiveness was confessing in order to avoid punishment. Hmm. You hmm. know, and so there's this sense that if I confess, then I won't get punished for this sin. <laughs> and it, that's to completely deny the reality of the gospel. Yeah. What happens is when doubt starts to creep in, our consciences aren't healed mm-hmm. or satisfied hmm. or satiated. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. word you want to use with the actual truth and the reality of the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. And so God, in his wisdom, has appointed means by which we might be comforted. And so, again, Mm -hmm. uh, the gospel isn't an abstraction. It's Mm -hmm. an actual literal word from God that you are forgiven. You know, 1 John 1, 9, um, Ephesians 1, 7, Mm -hmm. um, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Mm -hmm. John 3, 16. James... um confess your sins to one another. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was going to say, it, it's almost like private confession and absolution is a externalizing that inward. That con- inward confession. experience. It, yeah. It's like extra nos, like uh, the, the gospel is coming from outside of us. And that's exactly what it is. It's a hundred percent. So, so let's build it. So you've got this doubt and uncertainty because everything that you are allowing to happen to you in your faith is happening inside your heart and inside your mind, inside your soul, spirit, however you want to classify it. Mm-hmm. And there's doubt because we're sinners. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you doubted that you are a child of God, <clears throat> the moment you were baptized, God, by the promise of his external mm-hmm. objective word, right. made you a child of God. If you've doubted that you were forgiven... God, by virtue of putting his own body and blood in with and under the bread and wine of communion, forgives you. Right into your mouth. So as you walk away from the altar, you know that that happened. So it goes with absolution. So now Mm -hmm. fly on the wall in the pastor's study and you're like, hey, fly, this is confidential. Get out of here. (laughs) Um, Right. A person comes to you and says, pastor. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really struggling with this sin. I know it's a sin, mm-hmm. uh, but it, you know, even after going to church, even after receiving communion, I just feel like it's not going away. Mm-hmm. And so, so what is it? And the person describes the nature of the sin or why, you know, maybe it's habitual sin. Maybe mm-hmm. it's, it's particularly egregious in that they wounded someone close to them and that person doesn't know it was them mm-hmm. who caused this pain and suffering. Yeah. Whatever the case, the, the the point is that this individual is pricked in their conscience. They're mm-hmm. burdened by the sin. So from the outset, 
Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Hmm. So Hmm. the fulfillment of this then is that we come to have the burden of our sins lifted off of our shoulders Hmm. and to nail it to the cross, like Colossians 2 says. Oh, that's so beautiful. So the person confesses their sin again, depending on the nature of the Mm -hmm. sin, the pastor might walk through personal counsel. Well, let's, Mm -hmm. let's work on this. You know, I would love to work with you to break this habit. I would, I would, you know, love to work with you to come out from under this. I I'm going to tell you directly Mm -hmm. after we're done here, you need to confess Mm -hmm. this to that person. You know, sometimes it's that direct. Right. And then, and this is also where, you know, some of that, that biblical counseling can come in for, for pastors or especially uh, those lay people that, have more of a study and knowledge in that to be able to actively apply law and gospel to actual people. Yep, exactly. And, and so once that's done, then there's an actual, so the Missouri Synod mm-hmm. has an order that I use. Okay. Uh, it's not necessary, but it's useful. You know, it's... It's it, it's a little bit more standardized. Yeah, it gives us a it. framework and a structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it starts, Pastor, please hear my confession, presents absolution according to the will of God, or something to that effect. And then I say proceed. And then there's a generic confession of sins that is very close to what your congregation might use in the divine service. Mm-hmm. That said, and then there's a section after that for, it says, what troubles me particularly... And if there is something that troubles you particularly, you confess it. If there isn't, you don't invent something <laughs> to fulfill some kind of quota. Let yeah. your generic right. general confession of, of sin stand. But if there is, right. you know, I'm particularly troubled because of this. Yep. And then what I say after that is, do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? The person says, yes. The pastor says, let it be done for you as you believe Mm. in the mercy and by the stead and command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm -hmm. And in my case, I quote Mm -hmm. 1 John 1, 9. The Bible says that if we are faithful and just, God himself will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then what I say is, so now you have confessed. And so by the promise and work of God, your sins are forgiven. They are no more. Go in mm. peace. Hmm. That's what private confession absolution sounds yep. like. That's what the fly on the wall hears. Yep. Yeah. And, and what that does then is at that moment, that sin is forgiven. Not because the pastor is particularly pious or mm-hmm. we have a special power or ability, but because of the promise and word of God. It works just like baptism. Yep. It works just like the communion. S- the same gospel all yep, along the, same the gospel. way. Yep. It works the same as the preaching of a sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the objection comes then to round back is, well, how can a pastor say, I forgive your sins? Mm. So how can't? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah. it's a good question. I mean, wouldn't it be better... To say, well, God forgives your sins. It's not wrong. Mm-hmm. And I know I, I have on occasion where I didn't have the opportunity to provide context, said it that way to not cause offense to sure. someone who hasn't been catechized. Yep. But there's something about God's word where the more direct you are, mm-hmm. the more meaningful it is. Mm-hmm. So if we start adding layers to kind of act as a buffer Mm. for that, you know, that a hundred proof gospel, Mm -hmm. that what happens is those layers also provide insulation from comfort that might be there. Mm -hmm. And, And so when we hear how can 
you forgive my sins. The question is not, well, is that what God gives me permission to do? The question is, is this a biblical practice? Mm-hmm. And that's how we have to approach the topic. Sure, right. Yeah, so so what you're saying is the motivation for saying, I forgive you, is to have a more direct application of the gospel to that person. So that would be the motivation, yeah. yeah. I mean, the reason we do it is there's there's a, a scripture passage sure, that directly that, yeah, tells that, us to do that, but right. the motivation for my money mm-hmm. as a pastor, the more direct you can be with the gospel, the better it is. Hmm. You know, so like Missouri Synod has this, AFLC has this, we have declarations of grace sure. that can go into a worship service. Yep. I always prefer an absolution over a declaration of grace. Because if you leave the gospel as a potentiality instead of a mm-hmm. reality, mm-hmm. it gives us wiggle room to disqualify ourselves from the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, so like, I will, I'll throw a bone to the Missouri Synod on this. I think it's better that in their worship service, the pastor says, uh, I, as a called and ordained service, minister of the world, word in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive you all your sins in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You'll say that in a divine service to his entire congregation. Mm-hmm. That's as direct as it gets. Mm-hmm. What I say, I wrote my own absolution yeah. for our worship service. I, right. What we do at faith is we quote a Bible verse. Uh, like Isaiah 118 mm-hmm. or Psalm 32.4 or something like that. I can't do it unless I'm in the whole context of the service. You yeah. know? It's like you can't only say a portion of your ABCs. Yeah, in order. right. You got to say the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I say, uh, based on promises like this mm-hmm. in the word of God, from the mouth of God himself, and because of the completed work of Christ on the cross in your place, mm-hmm. I declare to you, your sins are forgiven. Hmm. And, and the reason I do it that way is because I can't provide the context for someone who hasn't been catechized that mm-hmm. faith on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and, and because of American Christianity, right. the direct forgiveness of sins can cause offense. Sure. Would you say that the difference between a declaration of grace and an just a hundred percent absolution is a little bit of the theological tension of it, I the the idea that I need to be actively receiving. The, yeah. the, is that is that the difference, or what? Can you tease I, I, out? I think it's right there at that tension between objective justification mm-hmm. and subjective justification. Mm-hmm. So, objective justification, if not checked by subjective justification, ends up in universalism. Mm-hmm. Subjective justification, if not checked by objective justification, ends up in experiential subjectivism. Mm. That you are basing your salvation on a response or an experience or an activity that you are in part or in whole responsible for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both united are true. So the declaration of grace, like I said, in my estimation, offers the gospel as a truth, but maybe more of a potentiality for each individual person to apprehend by faith. Mm -hmm. The absolution declares it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that would be the real difference. Sure. Uh, we're not going to talk about right or wrong, mm-hmm. but like I said, from from how I study it in Scripture yeah. and, and how I see it in my own life, the more direct you are with the gospel, the more effective it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, even when, even when you give an absolution, the person receiving it can still be rejecting it mm-hmm. in their heart. And there's, there's really no way for a pastor to 
absolutely for certain say they have received no. either a declaration of grace, received those promises, or or an absolution. Uh, people can still reject it, but that's not the the emphasis is to proclaim the gospel. Yeah, it's it's not our responsibility to determine who has or hasn't received the gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are tasked as preachers, now this is a pastoral perspective on our part, we are tasked as preachers Mm -hmm. to preach the law in all its sternness and the gospel in all its sweetness. And then get out of the way, let the Holy Spirit do his work. Mm -hmm. So when I preach the law, I don't have the expectation that every single person is going to be pricked in Mm -hmm. the exact same way or even in the way I intended. Right. But... The people who need to receive the law in a specific <laughs> way, the Holy Spirit is capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. And when I preach the gospel, not everyone <clears throat> has this great experience of salvation. Yeah, Some will be comforted and some will nod, and that's up to the work of the Holy Spirit. Where pastors and Christians get in trouble is when we try to do the Holy Spirit's job right. for him. It's almost like, remember our discussions of applying the, the law, uh-huh. the law functions in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a preacher, I know, I, I think I said this in a previous episode a long time ago is sometimes I want to set the law to like stun gun you yeah. know, mode and, uh, and then, but that's the, the role of the Holy Spirit. He's going to take the law and apply it specifically to individual people. And I think the same is true for the gospel. Like yep. that. The the Holy Spirit's going to apply it directly, at, you know, how He sees fit, and 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 that's really how it works. I have direct and specific instances in my life as a pastor where I preached the law with a specific <laughs> hook, yeah, and I was going to nail a topic, yeah, and the only feedback I got for a sermon was, Pastor, when you said this other thing, it really convicted me, and like some one time in particular. I didn't even remember saying that in the right. sermon. And other times it's like, well, no, this was the really good part of the yeah. sermon over here. <laughs> what, what about, about that? that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, you know, the gospel can work like that. Now, the gospel only ever has one function, mm-hmm. to, ever, Cre- to yeah, forgive create, sins, create, to, yep. to create Creating faith, faith forgive sins. Yep. Forgive sins. And it's doing to that to, to all Christians, whether mm-hmm. they're completely mature or they're baby Christians or they're being converted in the midst of the preaching. Mm-hmm. It's creating faith. And forgiving sins. It's mm-hmm. comforting consciences. That's what the gospel does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we let the Holy Spirit do that work. Mm-hmm. In confession and absolution, we're doing the exact same thing, but mm-hmm. with specific and direct words. We're still preaching the gospel. We're still applying the gospel, mm-hmm. but we're doing it specifically. And, and, and that's the reality why, go back to what we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. the gospel has content mm. and it has specific content it's not an abstract philosophical christian idea no the gospel is the forgiveness of sins and when the gospel is preached mm-hmm. and when the gospel is applied sins are forgiven mm-hmm. yeah yep awesome so well we're, we're coming to the end here of of this uh, second part um are, are there any loose ends about this topic before we move next week into our, our bible study episodes yeah we should probably actually acknowledge the scripture passages we said were coming up that <laughs> tell us to do this yeah and so the the two main passages involved in this mm-hmm. uh are matthew 16 yep 
and John 20. And John 20, it, we'll be covering our New Testament, so mm-hmm. we don't want to give away any spoilers. Right. So Matthew 16 is the establishment of the church on Peter's confession. Mm-hmm. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell uh, will never prevail against it. That's the quoted part, and we've mm-hmm. done a Bible study on that. Yep. The verse right after that says, whatever you bind in heaven will be mm-hmm. bound in heaven, or bound on earth. Whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. Mm-hmm. That's referring to the preaching of law and gospel. Mm-hmm. And so law doesn't forgive sins. It convicts of sin. Mm-hmm. And so whatever you call a sin here, according to the word of God, is treated as a sin in heaven, vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whatever you forgive, when you proclaim the gospel here on earth, mm. that gospel from heaven is forgiving those sins. Yep. You know, so yep. That's the theological motivation for, well, for doing and it's the spiritual reality mm-hmm. so that when you or I or any pastor or any Christian announces the gospel as objective reality from heaven, mm-hmm. those sins have been forgiven because in reality, Jesus has died mm-hmm. and he has risen again. Yep. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it was Brian Wolfmiller or somebody like that, that said it's kind of like the, the jailer. You know, having the judge pronounce that somebody's set free, and then the jailer putting the key Opens in, the open door. the doors, yep. unlocks the door for the person. That, uh, yeah, that that kind of idea of it's the judge that's making that declaration. Yeah. So but, this is referred to doctrinally mm-hmm. speaking. This is the office of the keys. Yes. And yep. you have the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind in, on earth mm-hmm. will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And it's really that the king issues a decree of pardon. Mm-hmm. But when the key, the king issues that decree, all of the doors of the jail cells don't magically open and the, the, <laughs> the prisoners just walk out knowing exactly what's happened. That message has to be delivered mm-hmm. and applied. And so the jailer with the key opens the door and says, you have been pardoned. Mm-hmm. And it is as good as the word of the king. Yes. Yep. Amen. That's good stuff. A um, couple other things I want to mention as we wrap up here, you know, we're not forcing people to do this. This is all a voluntary basis, uh, but we'd encourage you to do it. Yep. It's the, you know, one of the main differences between Lutheran understanding of private confession absolution and Roman Catholic, Roman Catholics pres- prescribe it needs to be done at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, listen say, just do it as often as you need it. Right. Do it frequently. It's not yep. required, but it is highly recommended. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And... The other thing, too, is you don't have to feel like you have to name every single one of your, your sins. You know, like Luther with Staupitz, yeah. you know, trying to uh, you come for hours to, to do yep. this process. No, it's, it's private confession and absolution is particularly there for those with a burdened conscience about a particular issue. Mm-hmm. Right? If you have a burdened conscience, come, confess. Mm-hmm be forgiven. If you have a particular issue that's chewing you up, come, confess, mm-hmm. be forgiven. It, it's not It's not works righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's not you doing something that unlocks forgiveness. The forgiveness is there. You mm-hmm. just need to put it in your ears. Mm. And, and so what I teach at my congregation about private confession absolution is it's especially for people who have the bad habit of disqualifying themselves from the grace of God. Mm. Because when it's you and me at the altar in an empty sanctuary, you're the only person hearing those words. You can't possibly disqualify yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's, it's come right into your ears. Yep. Yeah. 
Good. Well, any closing comments as we wrap up today's episode? I think that's a good place as any to Mm -hmm. be done. Yeah, good. And so come back next week. We don't have a cliffhanger other than to say uh, we're going to get into the Old Testament text before us. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks. Yep. Thank you for tuning in. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please tune in next week as Pastor Jason and Pastor Brett continue their discussion on Article 11 of the Augsburg Confession. God bless you and have a great week.